Hello and welcome. My name is Kyle Nielsen, and this is How You Level Up, a podcast where I ask questions to help you become your best self. What are negotiation tactics? Now that you know what negotiation is, and that there are five different strategies to follow, what are some tactics you can use in negotiation? The strategies for negotiation, once again, are avoiding, accommodating, compromising, competing, and collaborating. You can follow one or integrate a few strategies to reach your desired outcome. The same goes for negotiation tactics. The tactics we will identify here can be used with different strategies. And while some tactics are unique and can be used with each strategy, other tactics are specific and connected to singular strategies. The types of tactics we will look at today are dominating tactics, pressure tactics, power game tactics, delay tactics, persuasive tactics, and trick tactics. We have nearly 40 tactics here to cover, so let's get right to it. Starting with tactics to dominate. We have threats. A threat in negotiation can manifest in different ways, but usually involves one party warning the other party of the negative consequences if they do not agree to specific demands. This can be done explicitly, such as blatantly stating so, or implicitly, by using aggressive language and making unreasonable demands. Threats can quickly escalate tensions and make it difficult to reach a mutually beneficial agreement. There are ultimatums. An ultimatum is a statement or demand that presents a final offer, often with the implication that there will be negative consequences if the other party does not accept. It can take various forms, such as, this is my final offer, or, if you don't agree to this, we are done here. Ultimatums can be effective in some situations, but they can also be risky because they may lead to a breakdown in negotiation and might damage relationships between parties. Skilled negotiators use ultimatums sparingly. There is belittling. Belittling in negotiation is a tactic where one party tries to diminish the other's value or worth in order to gain advantage. You might experience this if the other party is insulting your intelligence, experience, expertise, or questions your ability to make sound decisions. Belittling can be a sign of weakness and insecurity on the part of the person using it. There is snow job. This is when one party overwhelms the other with too much information. A snow job will have an excessive amount of information, data, or arguments in order to confuse or distract from the main issue at hand. This can be done intentionally or unintentionally. Either way, it can make it difficult for the other party to make informed decisions and be effective. If there is a lot of technical jargon, presenting of irrelevant facts and figures, or making long-winded speeches to deflect attention away from key points, it's probably a snow job. And the last one for tactics to dominate is over-talkers. Talking most of the time in a negotiation can be a good tactic, or a bad tactic. The person talking the most can choose where the conversation will go. 
Research has shown that if someone is talking significantly more than the other party, the receiver most often feels like they are being talked down to. People who tend to be over-talkers might be nervous, anxious, narcissists, lack self-awareness. They might have a bad habit of simply cutting people off, or they might want to choose where the conversation goes. The next tactics we will look at create pressure. The first is deadlines. It seems obvious, though, setting deadlines can create an artificial pressure on the other party. Whether there is an actual deadline or not, by saying there is a deadline, it creates an urgency which may encourage the other party to make concessions or reach an agreement more quickly. This is a tactic in commitment. Your opponent may say that his hands are tied or that he only has limited discretion to negotiate with you. Do what you can to find out if these commitment tactics are genuine. You may find that you need to negotiate with someone who is of greater authority, if the deadline is artificial. We also have take it or leave it. This tactic is similar to the ultimatum. Most negotiations should rarely be non-negotiable. This tactic is used to create pressure like when buying a house. If you think that you have made a higher offer than anyone else seeking to buy the house, and the seller wants to secure as much as possible, they might say, here's another offer, take it or leave it. Well, you now have a potential to miss the opportunity of buying the house. And if you're on the other end, a buyer might say, here's my offer, take it or leave it. If you're on the receiving end of this, you might defuse this tactic by ignoring it and making a counteroffer instead that is better suited and may include more things not previously discussed to meet your needs. Another tactic is scarcity. This tactic creates pressure and urgency by emphasizing a limited availability or time for a decision. For example, a salesperson might use scarcity by saying that a product is only available at set locations because there were X amount produced or by giving a discount that runs for a limited time. Scarcity is a valuable tactic, and there's much more to it, so we'll talk about it again in another episode. There's the tactic of walking away. Having the power to walk away means being willing to leave a negotiation if it is not going well or if it is not favorable. This can give you leverage in the negotiation and demonstrate that you have alternatives. This can be effective if the other party is not willing to meet your minimum requirements or if the negotiation is becoming unproductive. And the last tactic for creating pressure is set and setting. This is only part one for set and setting. This is a mix-up of multiple things. We will talk about set and setting now for creating pressure and then again when used in trick tactics. First, set is about you. Second, Setting is about the environment. So, first, if you're negotiating in a room where it can be hot, wear casual clothes. It will be difficult for someone who is in a suit to hold a long negotiation with you. They will want to drink lots of water and might be very uncomfortable. You can create artificial pressure in this manner, leaving them to desire an end to the negotiation quickly. Weather has a powerful effect, too. So if it's rainy and dreary during the day when you negotiate, discuss the weather before negotiating. 
set and setting also include giving the person you're negotiating with a chair that is lower to the ground than yours. Or perhaps you pick a time to negotiate at the end of the day when it might not be most suited for them, when they're going to be tired and likely to make mistakes. Now we're going to look at tactics in the power game. There is blanketing. Blanketing in negotiation refers to one party makes a series of extreme demands that cover a wide range of issues without any intention of compromising or negotiating. This tactic is often used to test the other party's resolve or to gain leverage and confuse. It can also be used as a distraction for more important issues that need to be addressed. If this happens to you, begin to detail and create priorities that you can whittle away at and move the negotiation forward toward that mutually beneficial outcome. There is the tactic of association. The purpose of using association is to create a positive or negative emotional connection. If you're negotiating with someone and they mention a partnership with Google, you'll be impressed. If you're negotiating with someone and they say that their parent company is Samsung, so they should have the same discount, you might be backed into a corner. By associating with something that the other party values, like someone who values environmental sustainability, emphasizing how a proposed solution will benefit the environment can create a positive association and increase their willingness to agree. Just as legal ramifications can decrease the other party's enthusiasm, for some topic or point. The next tactic is silence. Silence is powerful, especially in the power game. Silence and questions have been called negotiation jujitsu. Silence can create discomfort and encourage the other party to fill the silence with concessions or new offers. Simply waiting quietly for the other person to speak can sometimes lead to better outcomes. There is also boulevardism. Boulevardism is a tactic named after former General Electric executive Lemuel Boulevard. It involves making a final offer up front that is non-negotiable and refusing to make any further concessions beyond that point. There is building coalitions. This involves enlisting the support of others such as allies or stakeholders, to help bolster your negotiating position and influence the other party's decision-making. If you're negotiating with the director about a project, finding a way to have the VP on your side is a good thing. Take caution here, though, because if the VP speaks to the director before you do, it will likely be taken that you went over their head. And there's ego-stroking in the power game. This is when you make the other party feel as if they're bigger than they actually are. Ego stroking needs to be done precisely, like making them feel smart when they have less power than you, alluding to how you respect them and want them to take this incredible deal. You can compliment or express admiration for the other party, like saying, I really respect your experience in the industry, or you've clearly put a lot of thought into this proposal. And this can help create a more collaborative and productive negotiation environment. Take caution here. This should be authentic and not come across as insincere flattery, which can backfire and harm the process. If you are not sincere with your flattery, refrain from using the ego-stroking tactic. 
there is also tactics to delay. The missing person. This occurs when the other party acts as if there is a missing person that needs to be included in the deal. They might say they cannot accept something you're suggesting because this missing person needs to be consulted on some detail. It might sound like, I can't discuss the timeline of the project because our project manager is out this week. Let's touch on that next time we meet. There is limited authority. This tactic creates a situation where the negotiator shares they only have a limited decision-making capability. It creates a stall, a pause in the negotiation, saying, my manager will have to approve this, gives you time to discuss alternative options internally. There is introduction of new people. This tactic restarts some of the conversation and is similar to limited authority. The difference here is that you actually introduce another person into the negotiation. It might sound like, our director has decided to join today's conversation because it seems that there are some things he would like further clarification on. This new person changes the dynamic of the negotiation, shifting the power seesaw, and forces both parties to reconclude what might have been points that were already agreed upon. And there is also stonewalling in the delay. Like in everyday communication, stonewalling in negotiation forces the other party to run into a stony wall of communication. One party might refuse to engage or respond to the other party's proposals or arguments. This can be done intentionally as a way to frustrate the other party and force them into concessions, or it can happen unintentionally when one party feels overwhelmed or unprepared for the negotiation. It can include ignoring emails or phone calls, or refusing to make counter-offers. It can be an effective tactic if used strategically and sparingly, and it can also damage relationships and lead to a breakdown in communication if overused. The next are tactics to persuade. First up is mirroring. Mirroring involves performing the same bodily movements as the person you're negotiating with, which can help build rapport and creates a more collaborative environment for negotiating. Or repeating back what the other person has said in order to show that you are listening and understand their perspective. When repeating back what the other person is saying, be careful not to parrot phrase more than a few words. As a negotiation tactic, mirroring the last three or four words has been shown to increase the other party's trust that you are listening. It's all in the tone. There's also building rapport. Building rapport involves creating a positive relationship with the other party by finding common ground and showing interest in their perspective. This can help establish trust and make the negotiation process more productive. You can build rapport by using similar language, by finding a common history, or by trying to uncover a similar hobby and passion. This looks like schmoozing, which skilled negotiators frequently use. Research has shown that schmoozing leads to better overall deals. Schmoozing is highly focused on relationship harmony, so even if there is friction during a negotiation, schmoozing will oil the gears and keep the negotiation running. There is framing. Framing as a tactic is something we've covered a few times before, and it can be called framing or reframing. 
By framing information in a way that highlights certain aspects while downplaying others, for example, a seller might frame the price of a product as being less expensive than competitors, rather than more expensive than some options you've mentioned you always were interested in seeing. There's also splitting the difference. This tactic involves meeting in the middle by compromising on terms that are equal distances from the current positions of both parties. While this can be a quick way to reach an agreement, it may not always result in the best outcome for either party. There is even a book dedicated entirely to not splitting the difference called Never Split the Difference. So use this tactic at your own discretion. There is gracious concessions. Giving concessions is a great tactic for showing your desire for a negotiation to be fair and equitable. Giving concessions with gratitude is accomplished by paraphrasing the other party's argument on a topic and weaving empathy for their argument in. The other party will see you understand their perspective and are compassionate, rather than a concession that is given begrudgingly, lackadaisically, or resentfully. The next tactic in persuasion is using objective criteria. Using objective criteria involves basing negotiations on verifiable facts and data. By talking about what is, rather than what something feels like or is experienced as, you create a more rational process. This is useful in all situations, and especially when the other party uses metaphors to articulate and illustrate their argumentative points. There are emotional appeals. Using this tactic, while being the opposite of objective criteria, can be effective. It involves appealing to the other party's sense of fairness by using personal anecdotes or by highlighting how the outcome will impact them personally. This is also accomplished by appealing to values or belief systems, which also build rapport. There are alternatives. Offering multiple options or solutions can help break past a roadblock. If neither party in the negotiation is moving because of the choices on the table, brainstorm a new alternative, or collaborate with the other party to create an alternative. If you say to yourself there are no other alternatives, reframe the negotiation in your head by asking, what is it they want in the end? What is it I want in the end? The limits of this tactic are your imagination. And there is labeling affect as a tactic to persuade. This tactic is the process of naming the situation, perhaps naming emotions, so the other party will accept your label as fact. It might sound like walking into a tough negotiation and saying, now I know there are some things in the agreement you don't like, so let's talk about those first and resolve them. Or it might sound like, it seems like you're hesitant about the deal here. What would make the deal better for you? Labeling can also be used to note changes in the emotions or behaviors of the person you're negotiating with, like, it looks like you're not happy with that stipulation. In psychiatry, labeling is called reflection, as labeling shows that you were attempting to gain an understanding of the position or interests of the other person. Labeling helps uncover the driving factors behind a party's behavior. If you label a positive, you reinforce it. If you label a negative, there's a chance that negative is diminished. 
much like talking about the bad weather before starting the negotiation, to minimize its effects. And now the last section of tactics, which are trick tactics. First up, we have anchoring. This tactic involves making an initial offer that ties and holds the negotiation near this offer, like an anchor. The initial offer can come in the form of a real estate agent showing you a decrepit house so that every house you see thereafter is perceived as beautiful and lofty. Had you seen these same houses without having visited the decrepit house before, you might not be that impressed. Or this anchoring trick can come in the form of trying to guess the total bill after eating dinner with friends. If you think the bill is 165 and one friend guesses 171st, you will feel confident in your number. If the next friend who guesses says 185, you might reconsider 165 and pick a higher number. Or in a job interview, if the candidate lists a higher salary expectation during the interview process, this sets an anchor point for the employer who may be more likely to offer a higher salary than they would have otherwise in order to meet the candidate's expectations. Of course, on the flip side of this, if the candidate lists a lower salary expectation because they are not confident in their worth, the employer may offer a lower salary. There is the bogey tactic trick. This tactic is when you pretend that there is an issue that is important to you, but it really isn't. During a negotiation, you can concede this issue so the other party feels like they should perform a reciprocation concession. This tactic operates off the psychology of reciprocity. Reciprocity is a social norm that humans abide by and occurs when one party does something for another, so the other party feels compelled to return the favor. This too, reciprocity, like scarcity, is a much bigger topic and one that we will cover in a different episode. There is also topic jumping as a tactic. When the topics of a negotiation are changed and do not belong together, someone might be topic jumping. It's a confusion tactic, and it's used to derail the other side. If you ask a question that is not clearly related to the topic of the discussion, using metaphors and artfully connecting dots that don't exist, you can guide the conversation in a new direction. It doesn't have to be a hard left or a hard right. A delicate change in the negotiation can move topics. There is bundling. This tactic is used and applied to create more interest in a product from the seller side, or used by the buyer to procure more than originally offered. Creating bundles happens everywhere. Buy two of a product and get their third free. A monthly package might be 10 and a yearly package is 100. So two months are bundled into the cost. There is the good cop, bad cop tactic. With a two-person team in negotiation, if one person is reasonable and the other person is tough, they're playing the good cop, bad cop routine. The real game is that they are working together to reach a specific goal. This is a hard bargaining tactic and can be difficult to see. If, for example, the bad cop is someone not in the immediate negotiation, though is referred to as being a blocker for some specific request. There is the moral appeal. This tactic is used when one party reminds the other party that the goal of the negotiation 
is mutual satisfaction. It appeals to a sense of fairness. Statements like, let's be fair here. There's a market downturn, so of course you cannot expect to raise our prices. Or a statement like, the market is booming right now, and with everyone raising their prices, this is only natural. The next tactic is inviting unreciprocated offers. This tactic forces you to bid against yourself. If you make an offer, and the other party's first response is to request that you make a concession before they make their counteroffer, you're bidding against yourself. You can counter this by indicating that you are waiting for their counteroffer, instead of immediately reducing your demands. There's the better deal tactic. This tactic is used to trick you into thinking the other party has a better deal elsewhere. Some unknown deal that you know little to nothing about. With this tactic, you might be asked to match the pricing or bundle or general terms so as to not lose the deal you're making. The next trick tactic is feeding. Bringing food or sweets to a negotiation is an easy way to create leverage. You can create leverage with this unsolicited favor because they will eat or drink your gift. This is part of reciprocity. You can create leverage by increasing glucose in the other party's system, which research has shown to boost cooperation. And you can create leverage by now eating or drinking with the other person or party, and thereby mirroring their behaviors. And finally, we have set and setting part two, where we look at positive sides of weather. Weather has a powerful effect on behavior. So for example, you're more likely to help others during pleasant weather. You feel happier in good weather, and so you misattribute this positive emotion to the surrounding context of the negotiation. These 40 tactics are used frequently in negotiations, and the very best negotiators will enact these tactics to gain an advantage, to gain leverage, and it will feel seamless. The more you know about these tactics, the easier they will be to spot and counteract. So now ask yourself, during your last negotiation, which of these tactics, if any, did you use? Which of these tactics did the other party use? And which tactics might you use in your next negotiation? Thank you for listening to another episode. If you're enjoying the show, open up the app you're listening to this on and hit the like or subscribe button and give a five-star rating. At least twice a week, you'll find a new episode asking you a new question, so you can strengthen your emotional independence, improve your communication skills, and upgrade your personal philosophy. So if there's a question you'd like me to dive into next, send it to any of these social media accounts connected in the show notes here. This is all about how you level up.